This is Andrea Harkins. Welcome to the Martial Arts Woman Podcast. This podcast is devoted to martial art women who make a difference. Vicki Green shares why she began martial arts nearly 40 years ago, what it was like competing against men, and why her goal is to simply change one life through her teaching. Of course, she's changed many lives over the span of her career. Listen in to how she uses a martial art mindset in life, especially fairly recently with the loss of her husband of 48 years. She discusses the ups and downs of owning a club, why she chose to be a nonprofit organization, and what conflict resolution without force means. Her most important comment bellows true for many women in martial arts who are students or instructors, and that is, we are givers. Vicky is an eighth Don in Tang Sudo, an instructor, chief instructor at the Shell Rock Karate Club, and owner of Green's Self Defense. Her story will inspire you to make a difference and to continue to push through in life with perseverance and purpose. I hope you enjoy this interview with eight Don Vicky Green. Don't forget to check out my inspirational and motivational books, The Martial Arts Woman and Martial Art Inspirations for Everyone, available on Amazon or contact me for signed copies. I'm also thrilled to announce the publication of my third book, How to Start Your Own Martial Art Program, also available on Amazon. I hope that you enjoy these books and they inspire you to be the best that you can be. Hi, Vicki. Welcome to the Martial Arts Woman podcast. I'm really pleased to be on and I'm so glad that you invited me. Yeah, well, I'm excited to talk to you. Uh, Often I interview people that I know or people I'm familiar with on social media, but you're someone that I really haven't been connected to for a long time. And I thought it would be great to have a conversation with you and and see what your martial art life is like. So thank you for being on the show. When did you begin learning a martial art and how old were you when you began? It's funny because my sons wanted to do martial arts. I was about 26. And so I started karate with my sons. They, after they got to a high green belt, they stopped and I enjoyed it. So I stayed in. And that's kind of what started my career. And I love to teach. Uh, So it really fit me, um, my personality. It was great. So I've been in ever since. Um, So you said you're about 26 when you started? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's interesting, too, because a lot of people start when they're younger. I didn't. I I was about the same age you were when I began. But but many people start, of course, when they're kids and, and grow into it. So how long, then, have you been involved in martial arts? I've been anywhere from 37 to 42, depending on how you look at it. I did a few things. I met Master Dan Height, who was my actually uh, mentor, who actually uh, helped me continue in the art uh, back when I started. Uh, There weren't a lot of women in my area. Uh, Some dojos were not real happy uh, to invite a woman in. 
but because mm -hmm. Dan was such a high ranking and also was a uh, personal bodyguard to the stars, it helped to have somebody behind me that said, I really think you should let her practice. So yeah, he was, it was a great influence with me, uh, taught me everything. Basically, I know about self-defense and uh, de-escalating uh, bad situations. Yeah, which is so important in our world today. What, what is your current degree and, and what style are, we, are you talking about? Well, I'm pleased to say that on the 5th of August, I received my eighth dawn. Uh, I am, uh, my style is Teng Fido Mudokwan. Uh, it's been a long time working on that eighth dan. Uh, yeah, it's good for you. Uh, you never get perfect at anything. You just continue the journey. So if people understand that, they'll be fine. You're never going to reach that perfect or utopia. It doesn't exist. You just got to keep going. And I think that's such an important topic that people don't recognize, especially when they want to learn a martial art. They think, oh, no, I can't I can't do that because I'm never going to be like those people I see on TV or I'm never going to be like those people who are excelling in martial arts. And and I would say you don't have to be that. That This is a personal experience. Do you agree, kind of agree with that? I teach a range from anywhere from four years up to an 86-year-old. I try to tell people it's actually what I call empowerment and confidence. Uh, whatever you want to achieve in your life, your goals, your dreams, you have to uh, you have to see it. You got to mm -hmm. believe in it, and then you got to do it. But you can't let television or movies sway you to believe that everything you see is real because as people are really practicing know that that's not the way it is. And then on the street, that's a whole nother thing. I mean, martial arts is good, but when you get on the street, you're basically street fighting and you mm -hmm. do do martial arts in it, but it's down and dirty when you're out there. Yeah. Yeah. It really is a, a different concept. And I think you're right that you know everybody has to understand their own purpose and why they want to take a martial art that will help them find the right martial art for them as well if they know what their what their direction their personal direction is so and tell I me really a little yeah go, oh, ahead. go ahead no I was good I was going to move on and ask you to tell me a little bit more about your instructor Dan Hyde. Uh, Master Dan Hyde was out of Boise Idaho originally he came from Waverly Iowa and Dan spent years studying three different styles. He reached uh, Grandmaster in one of them, and the other two, he was ninth. Uh, Dan basically also was involved in a lot of the school shootings. He would go in to do education and support to them. Uh, his biggest thing is that he bodyguarded everybody. There wasn't any group. or He did Van Dam. He did Chuck Norris. I mean, mm -hmm. he did all the major karate stars, uh, good friends with Ruth Lee and his son. Uh, so I felt really honored that he wanted to work with me. He said that he saw that I had a lot of potential, but he saw that I was going to be a great teacher. And he said, we need great teachers to continue the style. And that's what he wanted for me uh, as he was training me. And I wanted to learn more about self-defense and then do a little bit of my own private service uh, doing that also. So he was a wonderful man. He died several years ago of a massive heart attack, uh, but he is dearly remembered. Um, yeah, I do miss him greatly, having him mm -hmm. as an instructor. 
So how did you meet him or how did you become involved with him? Was that, does that stem back to the, to your kids when they were learning martial arts or was that a later discovery? I was a nurse by trade and I took care of his mother and father when they were in the hospital. And that's how I met him. Mm. Well, that's an interesting little twist. Yeah, (laughs) that's a little twist that we wouldn't think of. Um, So you talked a little bit uh, about the atmosphere of the dojo when you began, because this was a long time ago. And I always I refer back to when I started, which was in 1989 and how there were very few women training at the time. What was the atmosphere like? You mentioned that some some dojos were not really happy about it. Uh, some were probably not that welcoming. Maybe maybe you were the only woman in some of these classes. Can you tell us a little bit about that time period? Sure, I remember the first night I walked in. Uh, when I went with my sons, it was fine. Uh, they had no problem with me be part in the class. But then when my sons decided that they didn't want to continue, there was a change in their attitude towards me. It was more like that I really had to prove everything I did in class, which I didn't mind proving myself, but when when it wasn't across the board, that's when I had the problem. So, so uh, yeah, I worked really hard to, to change that attitude. Uh, and I think I did. Yeah, it was... Um, it was a different feeling, but after probably two to three years, things kind of turned around. Uh, my partner joined the club who is in with the club to me today. Um, yeah, so things have gotten better all over. I haven't been in any dojo that I haven't been welcome today. I naturally always call and ask permission to come to visit. Right. Uh, but, you know, once I do that and I show up, there doesn't seem to be Uh, any problem at all. I don't know if other younger women are experiencing this. Of course, in my club, we don't have, we take young, old, handicapped, it doesn't matter. We teach Mm -hmm. all students, whatever they would like to attain with us. So, yeah. I like that concept. Um, So how many women were, were training with you at the time? When I first started, one was a female black belt, and she actually, her husband, Mr. Roger um, Baccio, was trained in Juan Keys. He was in his 32nd class when he was in Korea. His wife, Patty, was the only female black belt or female I knew at that time. And she was out of uh, uh, a town about 70 miles away from me. So I would see her on occasion and she was great support. But so there was one woman. And then when my partner came into the club, there were two of us. So that was it for women. Okay. Yeah. I figured it was pretty sparse, but you really helped set the, the pathway for women in the future. Which back then, maybe you realized, or maybe you didn't realize, but by being a participant back then, <clears throat> you were helping to set the stage for the future um, where women were allowed more and became more comfortable being in the dojo. I think it still, I think it still exists that some dojos or schools, women, there's only very few women in the school or, or the program doesn't necessarily encourage women. But overall, uh, for sure, most are inviting, welcoming, be a part. You know, they want women to participate. And that's a, that's a good thing. 
What about competitions? Have you been in competitions yourself or what yes, are your thoughts? I have. And originally when I started, women competed against men. There really was no separation. And actually it was a good thing. Uh, I was trained by all men. So when I learned to spar, self-defense, it was all men. And you need that male counterpart uh, just because men have uh, upper body strength. You need to compete against someone that can make you work harder. Uh, also, the biggest part of sparring a man is thinking. You really, I'm a technician when I spar people. I watch people. I learn what they do. And then I learn how to counter it. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I was very blessed. Today, we're not. Last competition I went to, there wasn't anybody in my age bracket. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I didn't want the uh, trophy. So, I sparred two 16-year-olds, okay. which was, yeah, that. It was okay. I mean, yeah. I got second, but let me tell you, it was it was it was an interesting. Hopefully, they learn from me. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know uh, some attitudes of. Um, I hate to say it, some of the attitudes of some of our younger females aren't very uh, respectful. They really yeah. haven't learned that rank holds respect, whether you like me or not. Mm -hmm. You know, I am at this rank and I expect to be uh, acknowledged yeah. that way. But and I told their instructor that um, I I just I didn't like that. I thought that was very poor. And he listened to me and he apologized. And they did call the student up and said, no, we don't do that kind of behavior. So, yeah, we need to do some training for our women also that, you know, if you're going to go in a dojo, you do need to know the hierarchy and how it goes down. Right. Uh, yeah, because yeah, that a, will either make or break you right there. Yeah, I think that's a very important point that we don't talk about a lot, uh, that there are levels of respect. People often ask me, what do you want me to call you if they interview me? Because I'm on a lot of, inter I'm interviewed a lot of podcasts. Do you want me to call you sensei? Well, I had a tango, I our program that we learned was a tangsudo type program. It was not, it, ultimately, it was not the, the traditional tangsudo. There were other aspects of other martial arts in it, and it, and it was called Kenny Karate, because but there was really no karate in it. But so I used Sensei as as we taught the program. Um, but you know when I'm interviewed, I'm like you know just call me Andrea. I'm not teaching right now. I'm, I don't need a level of respect in right. in that manner. But you know if you came into the program, if you came to the dojo, you know everybody would would reference me as Sensei. So. It, it, it is important to know that the people who are teaching you have put in time and effort and they're professionals. And, and the, the younger set of people need to be sort of raised that way through their martial arts. So that's a very good point. That respect is really, it should be like almost the first criteria of allowing yeah. someone into your I school is, is to understand the, the respect. So that's interesting about the competitions too. So were you, did you compete in both sparring and katas yes, or just one or the other? Okay. No, I did both of them. I thought that uh, back in the day, you know, to be a well-rounded martial artist, you needed to uh, do both. Uh, a couple of times I got hurt pretty bad, but uh, I, I think the last competition I did was uh, two years ago, no, three years ago sparring. I've stopped sparring. Uh, just because uh, I got uh, hit pretty bad again, and I decided, nah, I don't need that anymore. So yeah. I just basically do katas. Uh, I watch my students. I don't allow everyone to spar. They have to 
prove in the dojo that they're able to handle it. Uh, I try not to go to full contact with my students. I don't think that's a good thing. Uh, I've been to some uh, competition where kids, young kids are just wailing on each other. There's, and I don't like to see that. I like to see technique control. Uh, sometimes parents can, you know, when I've been judging a center judge or a corner judge, parents can be pretty nasty. I have had a couple of parents that I asked to leave because they were, uh, language was terrible. Uh, so yeah, it's hard, you know, competition is good. It builds up confidence. Sometimes it can destroy confidence depending on who your student is. So I, I ask all my students to do katas uh, mm -hmm. and then I tell them when they can spar. They, they can't go or participate without me in sparring. So I try to oversee that really close. Yeah, and I think your points are valid and very interesting too because kids, they need to learn proper technique and form before they would even should even go to a, a you know a full contact kind of thing so it's so important that they learn that properly and as far as parents you know parents are often the difficult points in all kinds of athletics we participated my husband and i had a had a martial art program we had great parents but we also had our own children who participated in other youth sports and you know basketball football and and it was always the parents who really intervened and made a fuss over things where their kids were fine. The kids were having a good time. The kids were learning, but the parents, why isn't my son playing? Why isn't my son doing this? Why isn't my daughter uh, in the first line or whatever it might be? And it was always like, you know, leave it to the coach, leave it to the instructor. They sort of understand where things are going and it's just, as a parent, I understand it, but it's it's also sometimes impedes the atmosphere of what you're trying to accomplish. Um, I also find, and I didn't put this question in there, but I, I also find that martial arts instructors, as compared to other athletic coaches, are totally different. It's it's such to me a better way of coaching. Martial arts instructors have a very positive way of coaching. Where some, because my sons were involved in football and I saw what the coaches said and did. And it is, it can be downright just, I don't know, just almost mean, um, you know, when they're coaching those types of sports. So I think something with being an instructor is that my students see me perform. And mm -hmm. I have, uh, in my whole career, I've never yelled at a student. I would never touch a student. We don't, mm -hmm. I don't allow my instructors, I will demonstrate. But I think they understand my looks on my face. I have parents who bring their kids to karate because they're having difficulty handling them at home. And I said yes. to them, the dojo, he knows when, or she, when they walk in, they know my rules. Even if they walk in the first night, they see the other students, how they're responding. And my look is all I need. If they know that I don't approve of something, they know it right away. I don't have to say a word to them and they correct it. And I think part of it is that they know that I'm consistent. I don't change. I'm the same every week, same to every student, uh, you know, and I think they, some young people today need that consistency that it's going to be the same, you know, that yeah. this is what she expects. I can do this. Um, and I have some students that uh, ha are a little bit um, 
ADD maybe, or, or I had one student that was in the wheelchair. You have to change things accordingly, make the class shorter naturally, uh, change how you're gonna instruct the different techniques. But a kid is a kid. I mean, yeah. and I make them laugh too. There are some times mm-hmm. I, I mean, I do games with the kids and you know, some I, sometimes I make my adults do it so that they stop being an adult for a moment and enjoy it. I said, yeah. I want you to work hard, but I want you to like it. You know, if you like it, you're going to stay in it. If you don't like it, you're going to leave it. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's just a, a very, it should be, and it typically is a more positive environment. Right. Um, which is what helps empower them. And the consistency is very, very important, as you mentioned, especially when you're teaching kids that they know what to expect each time. Yeah. And the thing is that oftentimes their home life is not like that. So that's why there's, they're having issues is because they don't have a consistency at home. But when they start to come to the dojo and they feel that consistency, it really does help them understand their own lives. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So I, we haven't really talked about your school. Um, what is the name of, of your school and where is it located? Okay, we're in Shell Rock, Iowa, and we're called the Shell Rock Karate Club. I originally started, I live in Waverly, and originally I belonged to the Waverly Karate Club, and mm-hmm. then my partner and me decided we wanted to, we had a different uh, attitude, and we had a different way of believing of teaching, so we left our Waverly Club and started the Shell Rock. Uh, Lorelai Dilly is my partner. She also got her eighth dawn the other night also. Uh, We've been through the ups and downs of having a club from 86 people down to six people. You know, it goes back and forth. Mm -hmm. Summertime, kids start sports, and we expect them to participate in other sports. We are, we try to make everybody well-rounded as they're growing up individuals. And naturally, I get a, in my career so far, I've only had 30 black belts underneath of me. And um, it's not that I'm tough or mean, it's just that, we are a nonprofit organization. No one gets paid. Uh, everything we make uh, goes into the club. Okay. Uh, and so what we try to do is um, instill that. I have people that naturally get their black belt. They get married. They go away to college. They go into the military and I lose them. Uh, my biggest thing and challenge is to keep qualified black belts teaching. Now I do high, I do have high red belts teach also and some of my greens, but I I've been I have to really watch so that we're consistent in the way we teach it. People have a tendency and want to throw their own little thing in there, which is true right. that that's been centuries. Uh, one master would get something and then he would change it just a little bit. So there really no purist out there, I don't believe. Um, I, when I talked to Mr. Badshoulder and he studied under Wong Key Sr., and he was saying that he believed he was as close to being a purist as anyone. Well, then when I saw my other two instructors who trained with him, they weren't that little bit of Shotokan in it, you know, so. Eh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and people change it. Yeah, it does evolve. Uh, and I, I think that's natural. Is It's very difficult. It's, it's like that little whisper game that there is. You whisper in someone's <laughs> ear and they... You have to say what you, you know, what they think you heard. And so it's it's almost the same thing. You know, you train someone and yet they still interpret something a little bit differently going okay. forward. And, you know, it's, it's difficult to, for that to not happen. 
you teach a lot of self-defense. You talked a little bit about that. What is the self-defense in the club? But I also have my own private company called Greens Self-Defense. I started that separate after uh, Master Height was training me. And the reason why I started is when I was a young black belt, I was testing a orange belt that came in and her dad was there. And I always ask my students, do you like it? What made you start? What do you think? Where do you want to go? And I asked her why she got into martial arts. And it was, I was really taken aback. She had told me she'd been in the school parking lot and she was raped. And now her dad did not know this. He was sitting there. And when she said that to me, that clicked inside me and said, if I can reach one person, one person, and that they never have to go through that, or I can help them, that's what I want to do. And that's what started me off in my own journey of self-defense was to become the best teacher find the best techniques, best street fighting. And I, I have two guys that are in my self-defense uh, organization who are street fighters. And I use them a lot. Uh, their knowledge of actually, I mean, they've been in fights. So their knowledge is essential. So yeah, that's what, that's what started me off saying, if I can help anybody, men, women, children, it doesn't matter. One person, that's all I need to know is that I may help somebody. Yeah, very important. In my podcast experience that I've been doing this past maybe year, year and a half, many of the women that I've interviewed, and they're a lot of them, all of them are martial artists. Uh, many have been abused, uh, sexually assaulted. Uh, not all of them, but many. And that is often the reason why they began martial arts. There are a couple of instances where they were already martial artists and they were being abused and they felt guilty that they knew martial arts and yet they were still being abused at home or they were still being abused in a relationship and they couldn't they couldn't calibrate it in their minds. Why why am I still in this relationship? I'm a martial artist. I I know I should be getting out of this situation. So there's a lot of dynamic going on when we talk about martial arts and sexual assaults or abuse. Um, when I've done some uh, uh, training at uh, safe houses, I always try to let the women know that what you decided at the time that the attack was occurring, whether to fight or not, it's not right or wrong. Nobody will ever know how they react, ever. Mm -hmm. And I said, I know women who are exemplary in martial arts, again, who couldn't use it against someone they loved. I mean, and some of my friends also have been abused, are still in abusive relationships. But, you know, there again, nobody knows what they're going to do. You know, I know a couple of times when I've had to use it in a situation where someone was being hurt, my mind went right away to, okay, what do I need to do? Um, I have to first keep myself safe so I can help the person that needs the assistance. And sometimes it is saying, first, I got to call the cops, the policeman. Right. And right. then I go in rather than, oh, I'm going to go in and be John Wayne and then think about calling. You know, I, I and that's part of my instruction is don't get in a situation you can't get out of. Also, be aware what's going on around you to begin with, uh, which I have said that for, I don't know, years. Um, but, yeah, it's again, I try to let women know you can't feel guilty for what you do or you do not because I yeah. I'm not in boots. You know, I'm not there. Mm -hmm, absolutely true. 
You, you mentioned in the questions that I sent to you, also this conflict resolution without force. Can you describe what this concept is? Okay. Minister Hyde had a way of training where he literally taught me to change my facial look and my voice when I get in a situation. Now, I'm a security officer at a college, and occasionally we have maybe an incident with someone drinking. The biggest thing you can do when you're in a situation is keep your voice as calm as possible. Keep your eye contact, but not a mean look on your face. You don't want to intensify it. You just have to have that plain look. Actually, Master Ike told me I need to look crazier than the person I was dealing with is what he told me. Mm -hmm. uh, but most of it is keeping that voice at a level, keeping your distance and trying to talk them down. And part of that is practice. You, you know, we teach people to yell back off, which at, at point, yes, there's a point where you, you're going to use your voice and whatever you have to. But before that point gets there, you need to try to get that person to look at you as a, that you are a person, first of all, because they're not looking at you as a person. As Dan said, they're not seeing anything. You got to bring their attention back to who you are and that you're there physically. And normally, um, I, we were at a restaurant and there was a guy that was being really obnoxious to the waitress. And Dan said, I'm going to give you an example of how this works. So he turned around, looked at this guy, and the guy immediately sat down. Dan turned back around. I looked at his face and then he smiled at me. He said, you see what I mean? Mm -hmm. Right then I realized it is. It's how you appear, how you look, and how your voice stays the same, you know, that you maintain that contact. But it goes back, you've got to make them know that you're a human being because sometimes you're, they don't recognize that all it is is anger, that red, and that's all they see. Right. And he was very good at what he did. Yeah. <laughs> and I've never really heard anything like that before. Yep. It's a very uh, cool concept and yep. sounds like it definitely works. Can you share any personal obstacles outside of martial arts that maybe you overcame in your life? because of martial arts or a martial art mindset, or just because you are a martial artist, you were able to overcome this personal situation. Well, recently, April of 2020, I lost my husband of 48 years. And so that, you know, I'm always telling people about inner strength, confidence, mind, you know, vigilance, empowerment. At that moment, I couldn't find it. I had lost. It was like, I've been preaching this for how many years to people? So if you truly believe in all the concepts you've been trying to instruct, you need to rebuild your foundation. So since April, I have worked on rebuilding my belief system of what I do, how I do it. Does it impact? Does it have any meaning? So yeah, that, so that in my life, that's the greatest obstacle. I have two wonderful sons who are very supportive, have always supported me, and naturally my partner. But there are times in, in your life you really have to go very deep inside and realize that it is going to be a gradual pulling up out of the well. It's not something that happens overnight. It takes months to get yourself back into the mindset you need to be. I, I don't want to say it's depression. It wasn't depression, but it definitely was a part. Uh, I'm a very happy person. People see a smile on my face. So many times they don't even recognize where I am or what I'm going through. And I really don't 
want others to know that because that's I'm a personal person that way. But without having this basic foundation, I really don't know where I would be without it because it has allowed me to continue to grow, which I needed to do. And uh, I'm thankful that uh, you asked me to be on the podcast. That is a, another step for me. Uh, is uh, I've been waiting anxiously to do it. Uh, I was thrilled to do it. Yeah. Uh, so again, I want to thank you. Well, you're welcome. And it's just, it's a wonderful forum. I think there just are not a lot of forums for women martial artists to express their stories, their, how martial arts has have helped them or what it means to them or what their training is like. There's just not a lot of places where you get to hear those very interesting and inspiring stories that deserve to be shared. And that's why I began the podcast. Conference, let me know. I'll be there. Okay. Why why do you think it's important for women to learn martial arts? There's many answers to this. And I was just wondering what you would say the importance for women is. Well, as I said before, I believe that there is a confidence issue, uh, empowerment, which I don't know if I use empowerment too much. I believe women need to have something that can fill that empty gap inside. Uh, We tell people everything is an external appearance. It's not when you're building your own personal empowerment, it comes from inside and you have to work on it. We have to get people to believe that they can do it. As I said before, if you can, um, if you can see it, first you got to see it, you got to believe it and then do it. And I think martial arts is one of the best ways for women, because when you can kick a bag or hit a bag, if nothing else, if it's not exactly right, it still allows you to vent. Many women need to vent. Uh, They hold many things inside rather than you know, release it. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I think martial arts for all women from any age. I mean, the 86 year old taught she was, she was wonderful. She was in great shape and her kick. I mean, she kicked beautiful, Um, but she did it because she wanted to see if she could do it. And her son first wasn't real happy with her. So I invited her son to come to the dojo. And then when he saw his mom, he said, I was wrong. I said, you tell your mom that you tell her. (laughs) You know? Yeah. So yeah. yes, I I believe it's something all women can gain something from it. You know, whatever they want, you can get out of it, and it's good exercise. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's the plus. I like the term that you use that it fills a gap. Yes. I, I do think that we there are parts missing from our lives that we don't we can't always figure out, and then you learn a martial art and you discover. That's what was missing. I didn't have the confidence to do the things I wanted to do, or I didn't think I could get in shape, or I didn't think I could ever achieve a black belt. So it it really does give women opportunities that they don't always recognize. It's through martial arts. I, I always say I would never be podcasting today or the author of three books or magazine columnist, all of the things that I do that are not part of the physical martial art world. They're part of the the outreach of martial arts. And I would never have the confidence or the desire maybe even to do those things if I had not learned a martial art. It just gave me so much personally that I don't think I could have gained elsewhere. 
I often talk about a martial art mindset, and and maybe this goes back to when you were talking about uh, the death of your husband. Um, but how would you describe a martial art mindset? Is there a definition for you of what that might be? I know many people think martial art mindset means you're tough. Uh, to me, my mindset is I'm aware. I'm aware mm-hmm. of people, especially people. How are they feeling? What are they thinking? What can I do? How can I make things better? Uh, I, I A martial art, as I teach my kids, we are givers. Our job is to give. We try to help people. We do. And I tell my kids, uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas, you do a good deed. Don't tell anybody you did it. Try to train them to be good people. Uh, and martial art can be a love of your life. You can stay in it forever and enjoy it. And so for me, my mindset is that it is a giving thing. If I can give to somebody, they develop, and in turn, they give it. That's all I want to know. You know that's so, and it's probably not the norm. Uh, most of my friends think I'm uh, they. Well, they know I'm tough, but they they just think that I'm a pretty tough personality. And I'm not really. I'm really a Potter puff. I just come on tough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are some of your biggest? accomplishments what would you consider your your biggest accomplishments whether in life or or in martial arts or both i've been blessed i um was a nurse i was an underwriter for an insurance company and now i'm a security officer manager to and an officer i think my my greatest accomplishment is that i uh, have two sons that were raised good men i have five grandkids and they're all good grandkids I work for a great uh, college. I'm acknowledged for what I can give to the college and what I have performed. Um, I have great gifts. I'm a Reiki master. Um, I enjoy doing that for people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just, I just been blessed in many ways. And probably the biggest thing is I've probably taught hundreds of women. And hopefully I've gave them something that they can carry with them in their hearts the rest of their life. Uh, I, th- I think that's it, that I gave somebody something that they needed at the time that they needed it. Uh, that would be one of my, my greatest hopes is that I did that. And I'm sure you did. With everything that you've done in your martial art career, I'm sure that you have done that. What advice would you give to a woman today who's interested in learning a martial art or, or a self-defense? Because a lot of women want to learn but they're somewhat fearful of what to expect or they don't, again, think that they can do it. What, what kind of advice can you give to them? Well, first of all, I would tell them to investigate the dojo or the self-defense program. Who's teaching it? I would go visit the dojo and observe it. Uh, you need to listen to what is going on. Do you have uh, or what's being said? You got a gut feeling. Is this some place that you're going to be able to learn? Not all dojos are made for people. You really have to know who the instructors are, how they teach. Do they teach? uh, uh, We have a a format. uh, We have sheets for each rank. uh, And then I have sheets on each black belt as they progress up. Uh, I I really do believe you need to know who your instructors are and what are you going to get out of it. Uh, If it's not something you think you're going to be comfortable with, then go find another one. You know, I, I truly believe that that that's really on you. Um, but, yeah, you can go to the dojo, but just make sure you call and ask permission before you come. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's something really important. 
at my dojo, you can come and visit us. We have an open door policy. Uh, my parents are present during ours. I do not allow a student with another instructor ever. We always have two instructors at all times present. Uh, parents are there. So yeah, you need to check it out and, and get the sense of how it's run and who's running it. Oh, that's great, great advice. Well, I that, those were all my questions. Do you have anything else that you wanted to add today to, to this yeah, podcast? I just want to tell you that um, I, I think you're wonderful. Uh, I am so happy that you started this. Uh, I've been looking and, and got one of your books, so I'll be reading that. I think you're doing a great job, so keep it up, and hopefully we will get more women into the art, and you'll have more people to uh, interview. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, thank you again for being on the show, and I'll let you know when it's ready, and thanks for doing everything that you do. Thanks, Andrea. <laughs>